Recollections of Poslingford Corner, Clare, Suffolk. I suppose I was six. The lush grass of Gifford's Meadow unfolded from the end of our garden towards Eden, it seemed to me, with the Chilton stream at the outrage of my world. This was a quintessential rural English scene. Open, wild meadow, fat chickens roosting in an abandoned threshing machine, riddled with rot, crumbling it to dust in our hands. There was a tumble-down scene of Suffolk pink cottages around us and birdsong as rich as dreams. 1959 To my left, Snow Hill and the village of Clare, and to my right, Poslingford Corner, the humpback bridge over the stream, and Anne Day's tiny, dank but inviting cottage right next to it. In front of me, the stream, a rope from a tree to swing from bank to bank, stickleback, sandies, bullheads and assorted tiddlers to discover hiding in the reeds or under stones of Chilton Brook. And to the right, Orbel's farm, and before it, a copse beyond Gifford's Meadow, where I once watched fox cubs play at sunset. Most days I would be stood in the tributary, or in a hole in the bank, making a den. All was colour smells experience, spawn turned into fat tadpoles overflowing from jam jars and way too hot in the sun. Poor things. And I could have made a temple with all the strangely shaped flints I dragged back to our overgrown garden. Yet, every few weeks, the waters of Eden, the brook, violently changed into a torrent of blood, bright vermilion, up to my knees in it, staining my legs, and I'd run as fast as I could back to mother. You see, upstream, near Chilton, was a slaughterhouse, and every few weeks they'd wash the place down and the blood of the slaughtered was washed away into my stream. It will never leave me, that image of Blood Brook. And they say Slaughterhouse Jack hung himself from a meat hook there in the abattoir after his shift, but that was long, long before my time. Once, between bloodshed events, I caught a tiny fish on a bent pin hanging from a strand of wool attached to a small stick. I was sat in the storm drain of the humpback bridge on Poslingford Corner. Other kids had proper fishing rods, so I was proud that day of my bent pin. As I was some way from my house... And Day kept a silent watch over me, over all us children playing under the bridge. I'm not sure, but she wasn't as old as she looked. I believe she had TB, aggravated by chain-smoking roll-ups. She had a big tortoiseshell cat, and when she wasn't attending her garden, she'd be reading a vase with Chinese lanterns by a table, the cat and home service gently purring in the background. Anne was worldly and non-judgmental, and her tiny house was calm and inviting. I think Anne was related to Leslie, who lived in the old chapel just around the corner with his wife Vivian. Their garden was so big it had a large choice of trees to climb and hundreds of apples to scrump. Leslie and Vivian had a large summer house and a petrol mower. 
That was something, a petrol mower. Leslie was tall and slim, and he played tennis a lot at the courts in the village. And, even at a tender age, I knew he was educated. Well-spoken, slightly ethereal, which meant he was going to be kind to children. On one occasion, I wandered into his garden in the summer, as I usually did, and a group of men and a woman were talking earnestly around a large pot of tea. My presence was not welcomed. I quickly made my retreat. Later, I learned this was a gathering of Communist Party historians, for Leslie was A.L. Morton, author of that seminal work, A People's History of England. He and Eric Hobsbawm remained loyal to the Communist Party even after the USSR crushed the Hungarian Revolution in 1956. I expect during the early 1950s, the country's best historians had assembled in Morton's garden for his summer school. My dad, Tom, told me that he and Leslie Morton had teamed up with one Colonel Emsden in the village and went out petitioning against the British action in Suez in 1956, when I was just three. I expect that was the biggest political event for 20 years. Ah, Much later, when I was 17 or 18, I interviewed Leslie Morton as a trainee reporter on the Haverhill Echo. This was 1971 and he was still lecturing behind the Iron Curtain, particularly in Poland and East Germany. Now, I was a pretty thick teenager and most of my questions were rooted in the damn obvious. What's the food like there? Do you feel free when you go? Leslie was understanding. A month later, I got to interview a union convener, a rabid Stalinist, who said the problem with the Russian Revolution was all down to the intellectuals. I could see him gathering a firing squad for Leslie. As Leslie had taught at the radical A.S. Neal Free School, Summerhill, and I expect he's the only communist local councillor Layston has ever had. For all his ideological failings, in my view, he knew which side he was on, yet, really, I suppose, history itself stopped for him in 1917. However, he knew well the ins and outs of struggle in England in the years and years before. I digress. Life wasn't all communism at Poslingford Corner. Slap bang on the apex was the Hurst family. Harry ran a shop and later a wonderful baker in Clare. Their youngest son was John, who was my age, in my class at school. We played a lot together. I went to his for tea and John sometimes came to mine. However, next to Anne's cottage was the gruff Mr Doughty, a retired teacher with pebble glasses and brown cap worn severely. We kids avoided him. Beyond Poslingford Corner, taking the right forking road, was the barber's farm where I once had a ride on Topsy, their pony. Beyond the farm 
was Hollow Ditch. I spent much time there. It was a deep-cut ditch, and in its banks were lined with trees, and this overgrown drain was half a mile long, a labyrinthine walkway, it seemed to me, stretching out to Poslingford. Here we kids made trails, built traps, played chase, and made camps. As we grew older, Poslingford Corner became a choice of two roads going out of the village. Poslingford Village, leading to Aggie's abandoned cottage. Yes, or take the road left to Chilton and to Hangman's Hill, and at the top of the hill, a Roman quarry surrounded by trees. To get there, we'd cycle past the slaughterhouse and Parker's tiny little house on wheels. Yes, it was a, a proper house with a brick footings and that, but it was on wheels. Through Chilton Village, it was. For us kids, Chilton was fascinating. There was a disused bakery, which we explored, and a run-down house, which an old woman occupied. What fascinated us was that there was a giant hole in her front door, large enough to get a man's head through, larger. We hadn't realised this was a cat hole, forerunner of a cat flap, scored to pieces by the cat's claws which had made the hole enormous. The quarry was where flints were once mined, and it is where my brother and Brian Swan found a Roman brooch. The brooch has resided in the local museum ever since. Of course, I found nothing. Sometimes we'd stay up the hill until sunset. Then, at dusk, this deep scar surrounded by fir trees scared us stupid and we'd pedal furiously back home. Fast forward to 1988. I found myself writing to Leslie Morton. I had a hand in a bookshop, the Clock Bookshop, and we stocked a number of his books, published by Lawrence and Wishart. Leslie wrote back, full of enthusiasm for such an adventure. Apparently, it was the last letter he ever penned. Poslingford Corner would never be the same again. <laughs>